Ladies and gentlemen, in the red corner, hailing from the state of Nevada, representing the steam and wise guys, it's the always feared Vegas Odds Maker! And in the blue corner, the crowd favorite from South Florida, Mark Winning Picks Lawrence! And now, let's get it on! Against the spread, Winning Picks with Mark Lawrence! Welcome back, everybody. Once again, this is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're all set to go against the spread on this week's College and Pro Football Cards. And what a time of the year it is this football season. With Christmas now in the rearview mirror, the college football bowl games winding down to their conclusion. The college football playoff championship game just a week or so away, and the NFL playoffs also a week or two away. It's a great time of the year to be handicapping football and to have you joining us here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. With that, I want to welcome in our co-host, Victor King from King Creole Sports. And Victor, first of all, I hope you and the family had a very happy Christmas, and a Merry Christmas, I should say, and I'm looking forward to a happy new year as well. A great holiday for our family. Thank you definitely for asking, Mark. And uh, you know who else is uh, very, very happy and appreciative these days? It's probably the Mark Lawrence Clients. As we record our podcast today on Wednesday afternoon, December 29th, I'm showing a 5-0 and record in the bowls thus far and a perfect 2-0 sweep in the NFL over the weekend. Uh, nicely done, I believe. It was, uh, let's see, Utah State in the L.A. Bowl a couple Saturdays ago, San Diego State in the Frisco Bowl, Central Florida, the outright dog winner over Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl, and a couple of really nice college football winners yesterday on Tuesday night, Air Force in the First Responder Bowl, Texas Tech with the outright winner in the Liberty Bowl, 5-0 and in the bowls thus far, and we're not even mentioning the fact that uh, Mark nailed the five-star NFL game of the month on the Buffalo Bills who kicked New England's ass on Sunday and, of course, brought home that winner on the Colts on Saturday night as well. Well done, Mark. We're heading into a new calendar month. But uh, as we are going right now, it's been a tremendous bowl season thus far. Yeah, it has been, Victor, a great bowl season. Knock on wood, all the hard work that went into putting the college bowl guide together is coming to fruition. The bowl guide now 13-6 and six on all of its overall sides. Uh, as we headed into on Wednesday when we do the podcast today. We'll see how it all fares out in the end. And speaking about the college football bowl games, Victor, I noticed a little bit of a trend, I mean, aside from the COVID ugliness that's taking place with the cancellation of games, and uh, I guess that unto itself probably deserves a little bit of commentary just given the fact that maybe there's some unjustness uh, out there with people that are traveling to bowl games and having them canceled on them while they're there. But it's the world we're living in right now, and the ugliness continues. I just hope, Victor, hope and pray that we're going to see uh, the college football playoff make its way through all the way to mm-hmm. the championship game. But your thoughts and takes on what's happened so far in the college football bowl games? Well, I, I've got a little bit of a personal agenda because I had a pretty big play in last night's uh, holiday bowl over the total UCLA versus NC State. And I certainly understand having to call off a bowl five to seven days beforehand. Uh, I certainly understand that. But the fact that uh, the Holiday Bowl was called off about four hours before kickoff is just absolutely ridiculous. 
I mean, your NC State fans already traveled all the way across the country to get to San Diego. The teams are already there. The coaching staffs are already there. And they end up canceling the game, what, four and a half hours uh, before the scheduled start time, leaving certainly NC State frustrated about the way the entire situation was uh, definitely handled. And, of course, after the cancellation, uh, the bowl committee tried to you know, get another opponent for NC State in the game, but uh, that was very, very unlikely. Finding another, another team was uh, too much work. There are, you know, too many teams that stopped play over Thanksgiving weekend, uh, a ton of five and seven teams, other teams that let their players go home and their staff was gone. It's not like there was a ton of teams waiting anyway, but uh, the frustrating part was the lack of communication because the uh, entire NC State team were told by a tweet by a college football reporter, not even the Bruins, that that game would be canceled. Uh, again, I have a little agenda on my own because I had a play that was canceled. We'll get over it. Like you say, we're hoping that at least the college football playoff on Friday gets two semifinal games in so we can move on to our college football championship in, in about 10 days. Yeah, that would be nice. Uh, we've seen six bowl games postponed thus far on Wednesday as we're doing the podcast, and that's after coming off of a 2021 college football season where there were no games postponed or canceled. Things were looking really, really up going into the bowl games, but the ugliness of the Omicron variant, COVID itself, is really hitting with a, a huge impact right now, and uh, the most important thing is everybody stays safe and does all the right things throughout this uh, this crucial time that we're going through right now and family and friends come first and foremost and uh sports i guess is secondary but sports is what keeps us attuned to what's going on in the world today and uh, we're glad that we're able to present to you some bowl games as they're being played thus far this college football bowl season how about uh, the scoring in these bowl games victor have you noticed any trends or uh, patterns uh, it appears to me correct me if i'm wrong we've seen a few a few low scoring football bowl games is that been the overall take on bowl games in the bowl games played thus far to date well, you know, Mark, last week at this time, we were talking about the fact that uh, the first 11 bowl games had come out smoking for the overbetters. Nine of the first 11 games ended up going over the total. But since that last podcast last week, the last nine bowl games over the last seven days have gone three and six over under. You mentioned low scoring. Absolutely. Three overs, six unders. We're at 12 and 8 over under for the bowl season. It's uh, 12 bowl games have gone over. Eight have gone under. Underdogs overall, 6 and 13 straight up, but 10 and 10 ATS against the spread. It's the bigger dogs that uh, have been the ones that have uh, brought home the bacon. Dogs of greater than six points have gone 8 and 3 against the spread. And then finally, your top two conferences thus far, the AAC conference. Now a perfect 3-0 straight up and against the spread. We talked about the Mountain West last week. 5-1 and one straight up in the bowls, 4-2 and two against the spread. And, of course, the shocker of the bowl season has got to be the SEC conference mark. 0-4 straight up, 1-3 against the spread. Yeah, who would have believed that? The SEC 0-4 straight up in bowl games. My goodness. I mean, I would have bet the uh, probably the other ranch on the other side of that result happening, maybe 4-0, but not 0-4 by the SEC, and, you know, by the time it all shakes out, there's almost always some conference 
that uh, does something atypical throughout the course of a bowl season. Uh, wins when they're not expected, loses when they're supposed to win games and so forth and whatnot. But right now, heading the pack has to be the SEC. Now, we know that going into the major New Year's Day Bowl games, talking specifically about the college football playoff games, both Georgia and Alabama are certainly hoping that path reverses itself. And so, too, I think will the fans that watch those games end up wanting to wish this to be the same thing as well. So we'll keep a close pulse on what's going on in the college football bowl season. With that, Victor, let's switch it over to the National Football League side of things. And with that, before we get into the National Football League side of things, I want to just uh, make in passing, and uh, this is really, really justly do and it was the passing of uh football legendary personality john madden who passed away on monday at the age of 85 and i just wanted to say that john madden is a hall of fame for his coaching career with the oakland raiders where he won super bowl 11 and never had a losing season in his 10 years with the football team he was the highest winning percentage of any head coach in the post-war era and after his coaching career Madden continued to influence the sport by being the face of primetime broadcasts for decades, as well as lending his name to the most popular video game franchise out there known as Madden. And all the kids today probably know the name Madden more for the game than they did John Madden, the coach. But uh, he really, really had a true impact on the world of the National Football League. He will be missed. And rest assured, just like that, boom, he will be missed. (laughs) Victor, Mark, can I throw something that? in there in, sure, in regards sure. to uh, John Madden? Sure. Uh, the impact that Madden had on the average sports fan obviously depends on your age, how old you are. Uh, you mentioned uh, the fact that I've never played a Madden video game in my life. Uh, now, my stepson plays it all the time and absolutely loves it, but I've never played one in my life. For me, you know, growing up as a teenager in the 70s, John Madden, Madden's impact to me was as that, uh, oh, frumpy, uh, disheveled, uh, sloppy, uh, big coach for the Oakland Raiders. You mentioned his fantastic record. I believe he has the best career winning percentage of any head coach who won 100 or more games. And he retired at a surprising, very young, 43 years old, as he was going through some stomach and ulcer problems. And then, of course, he made the transition into the broadcast booth. But for me, again, a young guy growing up in the 70s, what had the most impact on me was the fact that he was the star of the Miller Light beer commercials. <laughs> and you remember him back in the, they started like in the mid-70s, uh, where they would bring, uh, oh, uh, crime author Mickey Spillane and a couple yes. of ex-jocks. And then they started adding a bunch of recently retired coaches, athletes, referees, and they basically created what they call the Miller Lights All-Stars. And I'm talking about guys like John Madden and Rodney Dangerfield and Bob Euchre, uh, Billy Martin, Bubba Smith, Mickey Mantle, Boog Powell, Red Auerbach, Tommy Heinsohn, all pitching Miller Lite beer. You know, less filling tastes great, right? But... My wife and I, uh, last night, you know, when the news came out, we sat through an hour's worth of Miller Lite commercials from the 70s, and we laughed so hard. I strongly (laughs) encourage you to, when you can, go to YouTube and query the Miller Lite all-star commercials, where there would easily be 30 or 40 guys, and they'd be in a golfing event or a bowling tournament or a softball game. And these things were not just television ads. 
they were miniature vignettes that lasted uh, 60 seconds to 90 seconds that were absolutely hilarious. That's where the impact is. And, and, and Miller Lite was the most popular beer in America from the time those commercials started till they ended in the late 80s. Uh, an entire 15-year period in which their sales went through the roof thanks to these great commercials. But again, check them out. The Miller Lite All-Star commercials featuring John Madden and all the other guys. I mean, you remember them. Some of you older guys, you remember them. At the end of the commercial, John Madden would always be bursting through the television screen, and he'd say something like, wait a minute, it's my turn to bowl. I haven't bowled yet, or I haven't hit my <laughs> new putt yet, or I, uh, I caught the softball. It's my turn at bat. Very, very funny, particularly oh, yeah. with the end of the commercial always being John Madden bursting through your television screen. Well, he was a personality for sure, Victor, uh, in life, full of life. And, uh, you know, sometimes as you watch the games and uh, at, for the many, many years that he was in the booth, some of his stuff, you know, began to get, I don't want to say stale, but you knew it was coming. And uh, he had a lot of opinion. That's what he was, a man of a lot of opinion and a great analyst. And But more than that, a great person as well. And his passing is really, really, really uh, comes with a heavy heart to everybody that follows pro football. So, our heart goes out to him and his family, and uh, we thank, we're just thankful that he was part of our life in the world of the National Football League. And speaking about the NFL, Victor, how do things shake out now? We've only got two more weeks to go in this National Football League season here, and there's a lot of playoff positioning that's still to be had. I'll mention that a little bit in a recap here in just a moment or two, but how do your numbers shake out for what we've seen so far this 2021 NFL football season? Underdogs were split last week, eight uh, covers, eight non-covers, uh, over-under results, nine overs, seven unders. A little bit surprising given that the previous week, as we mentioned, was the lowest scoring week in years in the NFL, less than 39 points per game. Uh, last week, we were 46.5 points per game. On the season, the overall results in the NFL, uh, your road dogs are... 82 and 62, 57% for all road underdogs in the NFL. Still a fantastic percentage on the season. In terms of over-unders, we are officially at, let me see here, 108 overs, 131 unders. 55% of games have gone under the total. NFL games have still averaged four points per game less than last season. But uh, these last like five or six weeks in the NFL have kind of been like an over-under teeter-totter where you think, a pattern is going to emerge, and instead it goes the exact opposite way in the following week. And that's what happened last week. There was definitely some a high-scoring game, 70 points scored in the Chargers-Houston game, 70 points scored in the Dallas-Washington game, uh, 62 points were scored in our uh, five-star game of the month winner, Cincinnati-Baltimore over. And then, of course, we had some of those ugly ones as well, a couple of games right around 23, 24 points. So it's been like a teeter-totter in terms of over-under results uh, thus far in the season. And speaking of which, Victor, let's move on to the National Football League playoff picture as it looks heading into this weekend. The number one coveted seeds would both be Kansas City and Green Bay once again this week. Number one, because they would have a bye week. And if the playoffs were to begin this week, we would find number two, Tennessee, taking on number seven, Miami, in the AFC it would be the number two-seeded Dallas Cowboys taking on the seven-seeded Philadelphia Eagles in an NFC East division matchup. The number three-seeded 
Cincinnati Bengals, surprising Cincinnati Bengals taking on the New England Patriots, the number six seeds, number three seeded Los Angeles Rams taking on number six seed San Francisco in the NFC, and the number four seeded Buffalo Bills taking on the Indianapolis Colts, number five out of the AFC, with Tampa Bay number four and Arizona number five in the NFC. The teams just on the outside looking in would include Number eight seeds, the L.A. Chargers and the Minnesota Vikings, followed by the number nine seeds, Las Vegas and the Atlanta Falcons. Number 10 seed, Baltimore and New Orleans. The number 11 seed, Pittsburgh Steelers and Washington football team. And the number 12 seed, the Cleveland Browns, number 13, Denver Broncos. Those are all teams that are still mathematically alive for the National Football League playoffs heading into this weekend. And don't go away, guys, when we come back. Victor Niagara and tear apart our college football bowl game of the week. And we've got a beauty on tap for you. We're going to head out west to the Rose Bowl to take apart the Ohio State-Utah game when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. The only football newsletter in America devoted exclusively to NFL over-under totals. The totals tip sheet is a must-read if you're serious about adding extra income to your bankroll this football season. Get exclusive insight on the overs and unders from Victor King, the NFL totals guru, and enjoy the winners. You're listening to Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. Now, back to the action. Welcome back, everybody. This is Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this weekend's college and pro football cards. It's time once again for our college football bowl game of the week. We're going to hop out to the Rose Bowl in sunny California, Pasadena, where the Ohio State Buckeyes take on the Utah Utes in a big, big Rose Bowl matchup. Victor, how do you see this Rose Bowl shaking down this 2021 football season? Right, Saturday, 5 o'clock Eastern, Rose Bowl, Ohio State versus Utah. The Buckeyes around four to five point favorite over underline opened at 67. And it has come down a couple of points. The last time I looked, it was right around 64. That line has come down because Ohio State will not be playing with a full deck in this particular game. They're going to be missing four to five players including two of their most impactful offensive players in wide receivers Chris Olave and wide receiver Garrett Wilson. That's two out of three of their top wide receivers. Two guys for accounted for 135 catches, over 2,000 yards, and 25 touchdowns. I can understand that line going down to the current number of 64. On the year... Ohio State 7-5 and five over under. Their average margin is plus 2.3 points per game. Utah was a decent over team as well. They went 8-5 and five over under. In terms of a scoring offense, we know what the Buckeyes have. They are the number one scoring offense in all of college football this season. 45.5 points per game. Utah, no slouch either. Number 19 at 35.5 points per game. You look at numbers like that, and you'd automatically think, let's bet the over. Uh, Let's slow down our roll a little bit. Obviously, we got to talk about defenses, and we got two very good defenses. Utah, number 24 in scoring defense, allowing only 20.6 points per game. Buckeyes right behind, number 25 scoring defense, 20.9 points per game. In terms of bowl trends, Ohio State, their last six bowl games, one over, four unders, one tie. They've also gone one and four over under their last five games against Pac-12 opponents. 
Uh, Utah, one in five, excuse me, one in four in their last five games as bowl underdogs. Two and six to the under the last eight games on neutral sites. And, of course, we know that uh, for the Buckeyes to win this game, let alone cover the point spread, obviously they're going to have to make some sort of a comeback uh, in the trenches in terms of toughness because they were dominated on the offensive and defensive lines against Michigan in November. Now, Utah brings a very similar type of physical play. That is the kind of team that can make life difficult on Ohio State if they, of course, are not uh, ready for the challenge. We mentioned that the fact that Olave is out, Garrett Wilson's out. We still got Heisman finalist C.J. Stroud, a quarterback. We still got Trevion Henderson, a running back, another stud as well. But this Utah defense, they are the real deal. Of course, they're ranked one spot ahead of Michigan. Uh, They're very, very stingy, giving up only 315 yards per game. And remember, this was a, a defense that shut down an Oregon team that racked up 35 points when they played Ohio State earlier in the season. And the Utes did it twice, holding the Ducks to 17 total combined points in those two day games. Uh, that's very, very, very impressive. The uh, quarterback for Utah, Cameron Rising, he's not a gunslinger. He's a uh, game manager, if you will. He does not make many mistakes. They don't throw the ball as much as a lot of the college teams do in this day and age of uh, you know, pass-happy offenses. But they are pretty accurate as well. And, of course, any football coach in America will basically tell you that football games are won and lost in the trenches. And basically, this game should be no different. One final note, you know, Utah head coach Kyle Whittingham, he's made his career as a defensive coach. This will be his 28th season with the Utes. He spent one year as defensive line coach before 10 years as the defensive coordinator, at which point he became the head coach back in 2005. And I think few things would make him happier than ending the season with a standout performance from his defense. And, of course, I mentioned holding Oregon to only 17 points in two games. Very, very good. If this Rose Bowl was played four or five years ago, I would be tempted to go with the over. There was a period there in the teens when bowl games in the Rose Bowl averaged a whopping 77.9 points per game from 2013 to 2018, but the last three Rose Bowls have averaged only 50.3 points per game, 51 points, 55 points, 45 points. Obviously, Ohio State's motivation is questionable in the game, consider they were you know planning on being down here in South Florida for the Orange Bowl, and make no mistake, motivation is one of the most important aspects when handicapping the bowls. With a lack of motivation and not playing with a full deck, for me, Mark, it's either going to be under or pass in the game, Ohio State versus Utah. I don't know which way you're leaning yet, but I would also actually consider to play on Utah, not just on the points, but on the money line as well. Well, Victor, because you do that, that's a side I'm going to go to. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have to like the Utah Utes in this football game. I'm a big, passionate Buckeye fan, just like Victor is. We're both from Cleveland, Ohio, and we follow our Buckeyes religiously. But when it comes to handicapping football games, we have to handicap the games as they are and leave our heart out of the equation. And I take a look at this matchup. What I find here is the Rose Bowl, 
was always the coup de grace when it comes to bowl games. Maybe not so much this year because of the advent of the college football bowl playoff, but I know one thing that it's not. It's not the Orange Bowl where Ohio State had its sights and vision set on being at this weekend. Not the Rose Bowl, but the Orange Bowl had Michigan not upended Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. That's exactly where Ohio State would have been playing in the college football semifinals. In fact, last year they took on Alabama in the national playoff championship game, did the Buckeyes. Victor mentions uh, the two key wide receivers, uh, Wilson and Olave, uh, opting to go to the National Football League draft. And two other starters also are doing the same thing for Ohio State. So basically what you're finding is a, a team of not depleted, but certainly not 100% uh, stocked, if you will, the Ohio State Buckeyes going into this contest, that along with the mental chip on their mind that they're perhaps not in the game they want to be. Now take a look at the other side of this football contest. And what do you have in Utah? You have a team that's absolutely elated to be here. They're ecstatic. They just won their first ever Pac-12 championship game. As a result, they'll be attending their first ever Rose Bowl contest. And in Whittingham, the coach that Victor mentioned here for Utah, uh, an outstanding head coach. He's not going to be out coached in this football game. Uh, no way will Kyle Whittingham in this contest. He's an outstanding as an underdog in his career. In fact, uh, as a bold dog, Utah is eight and two against the spread in his, under his direction. They've gone fourteen five and won their last twenty overall games, dressing up as a dog. And you also take a look here at Big Twelve football bowl teams that are coming into the bowl games off a straight-up favorite loss. That's a crushing loss for Ohio State, I might mention. I don't have to say that, but I think everybody knows that. Over the last eight years, Big Ten teams coming into bowl games off a straight-up favorite loss are 3-7-1 and one against the spread in those games, including 0-4 against the spread against 750 or better opponents. The kicker here for me is the Big 12 conference football teams uh, in those bowl games coming in off those straight-up favorite losses. And, in fact, when they come off one loss exact, they really, really suffer in those football games uh, out of that 3-7-1 number. They are 0-5 against the spread. With that, I'm going to take the points with Utah to upend Ohio State in the Rose Bowl for my side in the big Rose Bowl matchup. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to tear apart another National Football League game of the week. We've got a beauty on tap between two possible NFL playoff teams. This could be a possible NFL preview when Kansas City invades the Queen City to take on Cincinnati. We'll tear that game apart and head out to Vegas for the Vegas vibe from our good friend Andy Isco when we're back with more here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. All new Playbucks tokens are here. Earn rewards and get up to $100 in free Playbucks tokens to use as you choose. And with your Playbucks tokens, you can use them for Playbook Experts picks and selections. Plus, you earn 20% in free bonus tokens when you do. If you haven't got your $100 in free Playbucks tokens, do so now. You're tuned into Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. And now, let's throw it back to Mark. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Mark Lawrence along with Victor King, and we're going against the spread on this week's college and pro football cards. It's time for our NFL featured game of the week, and we've got a beauty on tap on Sunday when the Kansas City Chiefs, the red-hot Kansas City Chiefs, take their eight-game win streak into Cincinnati to take on the equally hot Cincinnati Bengals. Victor, this should be one heck of a football game. How do you see the over-under playing out in the contest? 
Mark, I looked at the Cincinnati-Kansas City game on Monday morning when I started working on the tip sheet. I instantly got my wager in on the over at the opening line of 48.5. There's been a big line move in the game already, and I urge you to join me as soon as possible. It's crossed over 50, and as we record the podcast, the line is somewhere in the neighborhood of 50 to 50.5. There's even a couple of 51s. Let's stay away from the 51 if we can and try and get a line of 50 and a half or less as we play the Bengals and the Chiefs over the total. Obviously, smart batters have been patiently waiting to get back on a Kansas City over for a while now. And it looks like the timing is right in this week's game against the Bengals. When we're playing the Chiefs, we want a team that has a good enough offense to trade points with the Chiefs. It wasn't the Steelers last week, that's for sure, but it definitely is the Bengals who have uh, found their groove as of late. The first database query I looked at in regards to the game looks at game 16s with a high over-underline, and uh, these games went 5-0 last year. They've gone 12-2 since 2016. Any game 16 with a high over-underline of greater than 48 points, that applies to a couple of games this week. Uh, In addition to this one, of course, KC scored, what, 36 last week. Cincinnati scored 41 in that win over Baltimore. 6-0 over-under over the last four years. Any NFL game in which the road team is favored by greater than two points. When both teams scored 35 or more points in their last game, that 6-0 to the over applies in this particular game. Of course, in the last three, the Chiefs have found their offense, 36 points, 34 points, and 48 points. That's 118 total points, and I've got an 8-1-1 one one over the last four years, eight overs, one under. NFL teams who scored a combined 118 or more over the last three games when the over underline line is greater than 46 points. Now, these two divisions, AFC West and AFC North, They've already hooked up against each other multiple times this season. AFC West faves of greater than a field goal have gone a perfect 5-0 of the over this year against AFC North opponents. Uh, You mentioned the surprising aspect that Cincinnati, Mark, is now in first place in the AFC North. Another thing that we touched on briefly in last week's podcast, when winning teams hook up against each other late in the season, a late developing pattern tells us to go high 23 and one over under now last three years game 12s or higher when both teams are greater than 500 on the season and the over underline falls in the range of greater than 42 and less than 55 points and of course that was a big division win for cincinnati last week against baltimore as they beat the ravens by 20 points here's a 9-1 and 1 over from the database last two years all nfl teams off a division win of 20 or more points when the over-under line is greater than 46. What kind of seals the deal for me is the comparison of each team's home and away splits. They mean a lot now late in the season. While Casey's home games have averaged only 43.7 on the year, their road games have averaged more than 10 points per game higher. KC road games this year, 55.7 combined points. And while Cincinnati's road games have averaged only 44.1 on the year, their home games have averaged almost 10 points per game higher at 53.1. Give me a piece of the over. Join me at a line of 15.5 or less. 
It should be a fun game as the Chiefs take on the Bengals, and we're betting over the total. Victor sees a well-lit scoreboard at Cincinnati when they host the Kansas City Chiefs on Sunday. He goes over the total, 51 points, 51 and a half points for his side in that football game. As I mentioned, the Kansas City Chiefs come in here on an eight-straight game win streak, the longest in the National Football League. The negative aspect to Kansas City, and there's always a negative aspect when you're carrying the weight of teams like that Kansas City brings into this contest. The first thing that jumps out to us is their yards per rush defense. It's next to atrocious. 4.7 yards per carry they're allowing. And simply put, out of our black book, one of our best systems in our black book, we called it a perfect place to fall apart. And this is a perfect place for Kansas City to fall apart. When teams have a rush defense in the second half of the season of 4.7 or more yards per rush, and they're laying points on the road, these teams cover the spread less than 25% of the time. That's going all the way back to 1990. It's a tough, tough row to hoe for Kansas City carrying the weight of a poor rush defense. Patrick Mahomes comes in here highly touted, as he should be, but in his career he's only 2-6-1 and one against the spread as a favorite on the road when he, his team owns the better record. And he's taking on a non-division opponent, which is the matchup we have here in this game today, or on Sunday, I should say. Joe Burrow comes in off his outstanding career-best effort when he threw the ball for 525 yards last week. And normally, I love to fade teams and players off of record-setting performances. And I would if Cincinnati were favored this week, but they're not. They're an underdog, and it's more like a Rodney Dangerfield what did I do wrong underdog type of role for Joe Burrow and the Bengals this week? Now, I'll say this. Joe Burrow has never covered the spread or won a game in the National Football League when coming off back-to-back wins. He's been there three times. He's lost straight up and against the spread all three times. But that was Joe Burrow last year and this year. And last year, a lot of last year, he was really banged up and injured behind an offensive line that was really uh, of next to no use to him. This year, it's much, much a different story. Cincinnati comes into the contest 14-3 and to the spread off a win when they're taking on teams out of the AFC West. The clincher for me, again, another shot or another uh, from our playbook, Black Book, another aspect from our playbook, the Black Book, is to play against defending Super Bowl losers when they're favored on the road in non-division games. And why do we do this? Simple. Because when those defending Super Bowl losers are laying points in non-division road games and they own a win percentage of 700 or better, they're just 7-24-3 against the spread. That's the weight Kansas City carries into this contest as well. And with that, I'm going to fade Kansas City and play Cincinnati for my side in the contest. Before we hop out to Las Vegas and get in with our good friend Andy Isco to get the Vegas vibe in Vegas here. I just want to share one more thought with our listeners out there on this edition of Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. It's my favorite time of the year when I do comparisons of NFL advanced lines. These are the lines that Jay Cornegay from the Westgate puts out before the season begins, and we love to compare them on a weekly basis to see how the lines have changed, whether they had changed because of the team's style of play, their record, or their performance of late, the opponent, so forth, the whatnot. A lot of factors go into, obviously, a big, big move in these early advanced lines. The biggest advanced line movement on the football card this week from what was the opening line in August, as opposed to what's kicking off on Sunday, will be the New England Patriots. In August, they were established as five-and-a-half-point favorites at home against Jacksonville. They are now 16-point favorites against Jacksonville. That's a 10-and-a-half-point 
advance line movement against the New England Patriots this week. Also, another noteworthy line about an advance line movement here would be the Buffalo Bills, who come off that big win last week. They were 8.5-point favorites. They're up to 14.5. And And a third game that's noteworthy here is the L.A. Rams laying 3.5 points when, in fact, it was Baltimore favored by 3 points on the early advance line out of Vegas before the season began. Put those notes, put them and save them for this particular weekend because I think they end up being fruitful if you follow by fading those advanced lines and playing the value this weekend. Now it's time to hop out to Las Vegas and join in with our good friend Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas. And Andy, I hope everything's going well for you this football season here. And I know the holidays, I'm sure they went well for you with the move, the holidays and everything. I hope you're doing well and enjoying the season just the same. Well, I am, Mark. And of course, I want to wish you, Victor, Jeff, uh, the entire staff, a uh, very happy, healthy, safe, and prosperous new year as 2022 is about to be uh, inaugurated within the next uh, day or so. And, of course, uh, the next set of NFL games are playing only on Sunday and Monday this week, so it'll be 2022 when the first games kick off on Sunday morning with just two weeks remaining in the season. A lot going on, not just in the positioning and the qualification for playoffs, but also these major contests in Las Vegas as uh, the Final 10 selections in the two major contests, or the actually three major contests, if you include the Super Contest Gold and the Survivor. Well, we're not going to have 35 winners split the pie as we did last year. In fact, we're not even going to have five winners split the pie. I'll tell you about that in a moment. Wow. We're visiting with Andy Isco from TheLogicalApproach.com in Las Vegas, publisher of one of the finest football newsletters on the market. Log on at TheLogicalApproach.com and check out all of what Andy has to offer for you to help put you in the winner's circle this football season. And speaking about the contest in Las Vegas, Andy, if you want to pick it up where we normally do, it's usually a start where we do with the uh, Superbook, uh, the classic contest. And if you can run through, and we're waiting breathlessly to find out about that survivor move. I know that there seems like some people crumbled out of that thing, but we'll find out exactly how many in just a moment from Andy as he gives us the rundown. All right, we'll keep the suspense uh, uh, in order for a few more minutes, and we will start with the uh, uh, the Super Contest. Uh, they've got the Super Contest Classic and the Super Contest Gold. Both are identical contests as far as format. They differ, A, in the amount of the entry fee. The Classic has a $1,000 entry fee. They had a shade under 2,000 entries this year. The Super Contest, and they pay uh, the top 50. Super Contest Gold has a $5,000 entry fee. That's a winner-take-all. They had 87 entries this year, and each week we check in on how the top five selections, so that those who follow along, if they were to play the five selections uh, that were the most popular ones in these contests, how would they fare over the course of the season? And uh, over the years, historically, it's been profitable to fade those top five selections. And certainly in the Super Contest Classic this year, that has uh, turned out to be the case once again. Going into last weekend, the uh, Super Contest Classic consensus record, 34 correct selections, 40 incorrect. There was one push, so 34, 40, and 1. The uh, top three plays this past week all uh, were point spread winners. I was not surprised that the number one selection was the Miami Dolphins over New Orleans Saints. Interestingly enough, there was a difference between the line in the Super Contest, uh, which lines come out Wednesday afternoon around 5 p.m. Pacific time, and the other major contest we'll talk about, the Circa Contest. Those lines come out on 
Thursday morning. Well, in between Wednesday afternoon and Thursday morning, it was announced that uh, Ian Book would be the starter for New Orleans uh, on Monday night uh, because of both uh, of the uh, top two quarterbacks for um, uh, for New Orleans, uh, Taysom Hill and uh, uh, um, name escaping me right now, the backup. Uh, uh, who was also uh, on the COVID list, uh, were going to be out. So uh, I thought at that time uh, the line in the Super Contest had New Orleans uh, a three-point uh, 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 a three-point favorite in the contest. And in the circle, when those lines came out Thursday morning after the quarterback news was uh, uh, made official, uh, that line was a pick So Miami, the number one selection in the Super Contest, of course, they, uh, uh, they won uh, outright. They didn't need the plus three. Uh, they were very closely followed by Cincinnati, who, of course, was was uh, facing Baltimore without uh, Lamar Jackson and Todd Huntley, their top two quarterbacks for the Ravens. In fact, only seven selections or seven numbers uh, separated. Uh, the Bengals, of course, were a big winner. They covered their number. Buffalo, with their mild upset of New England, was the third most popular choice. That also covered. However, Choices four and five did not. Arizona was a solid uh, selection against uh, Indianapolis on Saturday. And the L.A. Chargers, who uh, had provided, I think, the biggest shocker of the weekend when they fell as double-digit favorites by double digits at Houston, also failed to cover. But the, sele- the uh, consensus overall went three and two, bringing the record for the year or for the season to 37 up, 42 down with uh, one push. Uh, over in the Super Contest, gold was slightly different. Cincinnati and Miami reversed positions. Uh, the consensus going in, 41, 36, and 2. There were more than 75 selections through the first 15 weeks because there were a couple of ties for the uh, fifth most popular selection in a few of the weeks there. Uh, Cincinnati uh, covered its game. Miami covered its game. Arizona, the third most popular selection, uh, was a point spread loser, losing outright as a very slight favorite to uh, Indianapolis. And then there was actually a a three-way tie for fourth and fifth, so there were six consensus plays this week. Buffalo uh, was one of those teams involved in that uh, fourth fourth way fourth place three way tie. They were a point spread winner against New England, but both Denver and Washington were point spread losers. So three and three for that consensus. But the gold consensus still up on the year, showing the smallest of profits: forty four up, thirty nine down, and two pushes. Now the standings. I'll go over the uh, Super Contest gold first because I don't recall if we've ever had a situation going into the final two weeks of the season where the contest leader had a more than a uh, two or three game lead. Well, the one contest leader in the gold contest, 55-23-2. That works out to 40, excuse me, 56 of a possible 80 points. That's 70% winners, and that is good enough for a Seven and a half point lead over the lone contestant in second place, who's at 48 and a half. So uh, the current leader has a chance to uh, all but wrap up the tournament uh, or the contest this week if uh, if he can uh, put up uh, a number. Uh, it looks like he'd have to put up uh, three points to get to 59, because the most that uh, uh, number, uh, the, the number two contestant could do at 48 and a half could get to 58 and a half. So he'd wrap it up with a week to go in the season. Overall, there are just 15 contestants uh, who could win uh, the Super Contest Gold. There are two tied with 46 points. If they were to go 10-0 and 0 and the leader were to go 0-10, uh, the uh, two would tie at 56, but most likely some of the f- uh, 13 contestants in between would be able to exceed 56 points. But from a mathematical standpoint, uh, highly unlikely, 
but still possible uh, that uh, any one of the other 14 contestants could win uh, the uh, uh, or tie for the lead or win in the super contest. As far as the regular contest goes, the leader also has a record of 55-23-2 for 56 of 80 points. That's a 70.0% uh, winning percentage, good enough for a uh, point and a half or, a, uh, excuse me, two and a half point or two and a half game lead over one contestant uh, in a second or uh, with a 53 and a half points. And then there are five half point back behind that with a total of 53. Overall, 29 contestants are within five points of the lead. Those 29 contestants are hitting 63.8% or better, with 51 being the uh, the uh, the number of wins uh, that the uh, nine contestants who trail by exactly five points have. Overall, 103 of the 1,972 entries are hitting at 60% or better for the season. Turning to the Circa contest, let's start first with the Circa Million. That's the contest that is uh, designed uh, to uh, uh, replicate the Super Contest, uh, five selections a week against the spread. The consensus going into this past week, 41 and 35. There was a tie for the fifth most popular in one week, which is why there are 76 rather than 75 selections uh, in the consensus record so far. Uh, the consensus this past week went through. Three and two. The number one selection, the Bengals were a winner. The number uh, two selection, the Dolphins were a winner. And the number four selection, Buffalo, was a point spread winner. And meanwhile, the two point spread losers, uh, the Green Bay Packers, who won but did not cover against Cleveland last Saturday. And later that night, the Arizona Cardinals, who were a one-point underdog, uh, lost by six at home to Indianapolis. So for the season, that consensus now 44 and 37. That's making a, a few bucks, hitting at 54.3%. The leader in this contest, 57-23 with zero pushers. That's 57 of a possible 80 points. That's 71.3%. Good enough for a one-point lead over three contestants tied for second. Overall, uh, there are 43 contestants within five points of the lead. Those 43 contestants have at least 52, excuse me, phrase that there are 57 that are within five of the lead. They have 52 or more points. That's 65% or higher. Overall, 359 of the slightly over 4,000 contestants, so just about uh, a shade under 10% of the entire field, hitting at 60% or better for the season. Now to the Circa Survivor Contest. This contest started with a shade under 4,100 entries, competing for a $6 million winner-take-all prize. So uh, there was about a $1.9 million overlay. They needed 6,000 entries at $1,000 each to fund the entire prize fund. However, the Circa uh, is on the hook for 1.9 million of the 6 million as the uh, 4,100 entries roughly contributed the other 4,100,000. Now, last week was one of those uh, two split weeks. Christmas, uh, the Christmas games, which were the Thursday game between San Francisco and Tennessee, plus Cleveland against Green Bay and then Indianapolis against Arizona. Those three games constituted a separate week. So uh, of the 16 contestants who were alive going into last week, uh, they had to have at least one of those six teams available to play for that short three-game week. Turns out they all had at least one team to play. The most popular selection last week, the Green Bay Packers had eight of the uh, 16 contestants on them. They advanced, as did the lone contestant who had Tennessee on Thursday night, the three-and-a-half-point home underdog to San Francisco, so that contestant uh, advanced. Uh, however, 
There were four who lost with Arizona on Friday night. Uh, excuse me, on Saturday night, Christmas night, when they lost to Indianapolis. And on Thursday night, San Francisco was picked by three of the contestants uh, to defeat Tennessee. They were, as I mentioned, three and a half point road favorites, but they lost. So seven contestants were were eliminated on that short uh, Christmas uh, week, leaving nine contestants heading into the balance of that week, which consisted of the Sunday and Monday games. Those were 13 games played Sunday and Monday. Only three teams were selected because, again, you know, we remember we're now looking into uh, this uh, uh, Sunday, Monday this past week was week 18 of the 20-week contest, the final two weeks being NFL week 17 and 18. So they were limited in the number of teams that they could play because they have already played 17 to get through uh, the uh, Christmas week. Uh, the most popular selection was the L.A. Chargers, Four contestants selected them, and they were eliminated when they were upset at Houston. However, three contestants who chose Philadelphia and two contestants who chose Atlanta uh, Atlanta uh, were winners in those games. And remember, this is a straight-up contest, so the points, uh, which didn't come in, into play, never do come in play. It's all straight-up. Uh, that meant four were eliminated from the nine who entered Sunday and Monday uh, alive, leaving just five contestants over the final two weeks battling for uh, all or part of that $6 million uh, prize. And remember, there's also a bonus in there. If any contestant finishes the season a perfect 20-0, and 0, and in the final week of the contest, meaning... Uh, not this coming week, but uh, week 18, uh, the one that we'll talk about shortly with the advanced lines. If any contestant goes 20-0 and and they can sell, and their selection in that final week is either of the two Super Bowl teams from last year, meaning either Tampa Bay or Kansas City, assuming that A, they still haven't picked one or both of those teams, and B, they choose to pick them in in week 18 uh, so those teams may be rooting for those players if they are in that situation may be rooting for Kansas City to lose this week and need to win to wrap up the home field in uh, week 18 rather than potentially rest players then an extra million dollar bonus payout so theoretically seven million dollars uh, could be going to a single winner or split amongst multiple winners at the very least uh, six million dollars will be going out to those contestants with uh, two weeks remaining and just five uh, five contestants who have already used uh, now 18 uh, of the 32 teams as their selection so they are limited to uh, just 14 of the uh, teams in the league many of which are playing out the string and uh, would like to be avoided if possible, although there were some opportunities to use some of those weaker teams at various points during the season. So it'll be interesting to see who they have available and who they choose to use in the the final two weeks. Andy, I would assume that uh, now that we're down to five players left in the Survivor Contest at Circa, that of those five players, none of them know what the other players have available as far as selections would go would that be correct no that's actually an interesting aspect to this uh, to this contest that's incorrect because uh, each week the circa produces a matrix of all the remaining contestants and what teams they've used and which teams they still have available so if you know you sometimes they may handicap people may handicap based upon who the competitors still have available maybe they can spot some sort of trend but they could also use it to to their own advantage um if they for example know that of the other of, of the other four contestants four of them uh have uh, have already used let's say uh, green bay and 
and the fifth contestant hasn't, that fifth contestant may decide, you know what, I can use Green Bay as my selection on uh, on the Sunday night game against uh, Minnesota, and the other four may be locked into uh, lesser teams. And, of course, we don't have as many big spreads this weekend, although it's possible somebody may not have used New England and could uh, take advantage of playing a more than two-touchdown favorite or a team such as, uh, as Buffalo as they host Carolina. So it'll be interesting to see uh, who they have available. And, by the way, for folks who are interested in watching check that out at any point they can go right to the uh, circa circusports.com website uh, there they have links to both the circa million contest and the circa survivor contest and they click on the circa survivor contest they will have i it may even be up right now the matrix of who the five remaining contestants have to choose from going into uh, this uh, week 17 a real uh, matrix for sure to, to be solved going into the final two weeks of the season that'll be interesting to see exactly how all of that plays out. And Andy, if you would, I know our listeners would also love to know what it is that Jay Cornegay from the Westgate put out for his advanced lines in the National Football League for the final week of the season next Sunday. Yeah, it's very, very interesting. Uh, I heard you at the end of uh, the previous segment talking about the advanced line uh, over the summer for the Cincinnati Kansas, excuse me, for the New England uh, uh, Jacksonville game of, of going up uh, 10, 10 and a half points from where it was uh, back over the summer. I was uh, going to mention, I, I thought actually you were going to be talking about the advanced line uh, for Cincinnati and Kansas City because nobody expected Cincinnati to be having the kind of season that they were having. Uh, actually, I have the advanced line from just last week when we talked about it on the show. Uh, Kansas City was a four-point road favorite at Cincinnati, which is, interestingly enough, the same number at which they opened this past week after all of Sunday's games had been played. Now, keep in mind that Kansas City had a very uh, dominating win at home against Pittsburgh. and Meanwhile, Cincinnati had a similarly impressive win at home against Baltimore, so no change was made thinking that that number prior to last week's game is the right number going into this week's game, and I'll have more upon uh, about that game uh, shortly. Looking at week 18, uh, this is a gay week, uh, the final week of the season, where every team plays on Sunday. Don't know if there will be a 5 o'clock game on Sunday. I think that they do have the ability to uh, flex a game in, and who knows, it might even be our local uh, Raiders hosting the Chargers could both win this week. They could both be playing for one remaining playoff spot uh, next uh, next Sunday. But uh, other teams will also be involved in must-win situations, and I would imagine the NFL will be looking to find a game that, A, involves two teams still with something to play for, and B, won't be decided earlier in the day before that Sunday night game is played. Looking at next uh, Sunday, January 9th, 2022, Green Bay, an 11-point road favorite at Detroit. If you think Green Bay will be able to wrap up the uh, number one seed this week, it would take a Green Bay win over Minnesota and an Arizona win at Dallas. Uh, You might want to, if you think those two events uh, uh, would occur, you might want to take a look at uh, maybe playing against uh, Green Bay and take those 11 points with Detroit. But right now, Green Bay favored by 11 on the road, total of 46.5. Chicago at Minnesota, the Vikings, six-point home favorites, the total of 45. Miami will host New England, the Patriots, two-and-a-half-point road favorites, total of 39-and-a-half. Indianapolis, minus 8-and-a-half at Jacksonville against the Jaguars, total of 44-and-a-half. New York Jets at Buffalo. Buffalo, a 17-point home favorite, total of 45. Carolina at Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay, a 16-and-a-half-point home favorite, total of 43. 
Tennessee at Houston. Tennessee, a 10-point road favorite, the total of 44. And what's interesting, if I did my uh, analysis correctly, it's still possible for Tennessee to get the number one seed. If they can win out and Kansas City loses one of their final two games, those teams would end up tied, and Tennessee has a tiebreaker by virtue of beating Kansas City uh, earlier uh, this season. So uh, if indeed Tennessee has that chance, that 10 points might uh, uh, might be a little cheap from what we will really see because we know Houston won't be playing uh, for anything other than the end of their season. NFC East, Washington, a, um, a four-point road favorite at the New York Giants. Atlanta at home against New Orleans. Saints on the road favored by three and a half with a total of 42. Dallas will be at Philadelphia. Cowboys favored by three and a half, total 44 and a half. Dallas already in the playoffs. They still have a shot at the number one seed, depending upon uh, Green Bay and uh, the Rams and Tampa also have a possibility if Green Bay should slip and lose one game and the other three teams win out. Pittsburgh at Baltimore. Ravens, six and a half point home favorites, total of 42. Cleveland, a one and a half point home favorite against Cincinnati, total of 46. Arizona at home, favored by five uh, over uh, Seattle, total of 46.5. Kansas City favored by three on the road at Denver with a total of 43.5. L.A. Rams favored at home by 6.5 with a total of 44.5 as they host San Francisco. And the aforementioned L.A. Chargers here at the Las Vegas Raiders. Chargers favored by 2.5 on the road with a total of 47.5. Early lines from the Superbook for the Final week of the National Football League next season. Aaron, Andy, just a quick note here in passing that in those early advanced lines you mentioned about the KC-Cincinnati game that I passed over, the line happened to have been Kansas City was a seven-and-a-half point favorite against Cincinnati on the early advanced line before the season began. So there's been a little bit of an adjustment for Cincinnati's play this year, I'm sure. So we'll see exactly how all that shakes out. And before we let you go, Andy, I know our listeners would also love to know what you've got on tap for your complimentary call on the NFL card this week. Well, Mark, I don't think I've ever uh, been on or against you in a play this season. I know last week I went against Victor with uh, uh, my under in the Buffalo-New England game, and uh, he won that one pretty easily, so I'm not going to take him on this week. But I'm also not going to take you on. In fact, I'm going to agree with uh, your selection of uh, Cincinnati uh, getting five at home against Kansas City. Uh, the Chiefs are playing their best football at the most important time of the season, having won eight straight, and they've covered in their last six. Uh, they should be healthier this week with tight end Kelsey expected back after missing last week with the uh, COVID. Uh, Cincinnati, of course, also playing well. They've won four of six with one of those two losses coming at home in overtime to San Francisco. Uh, quarterback Joe Burrow continues to develop rapidly, and the Bengals' defense has been largely overshadowed as a result. Uh, they're rushed defense ranks number four in the NFL, allowing just 92 yards per game, and their pass defense has been uh, vulnerable, uh, however, allowing 253 yards per game, which ranks 29th, and will be facing Kansas City's number two pass offense, which uh, uh, gains 285 yards per game. But the passing matchup also is a positive for Cincinnati, whose number eight pass offense at 259 yards per game challenges Kansas City's number 25 pass defense which is 246. So maybe there's a little bit of an offset there and uh, maybe a good indication to agree with Victor on the uh, on the over in that one. Uh, both teams are virtually even in rushing offense. Uh, the Bengals also have the better yards per play differential at plus 0.5 versus plus 0.2. Average 1.3 more yards 
per pass completion, which may be surprising uh, than do uh, the Chiefs. Uh, perhaps surprisingly, both defenses allow 10.8 yards per pass completion, which is right about the NFL average. So that does also set up for a lot of passing in this game, weather permitting. Kansas City's defense has played better over the past two months. Both teams right now are go with. And Kansas City can still win this game, but by less than the five-point uh, uh, impost that the Lions maker uh, is putting out there. Uh, I'm not going to call for the outright upset, as Kansas City still has designs on that number one AF seed, which right now it does control. You know, Kansas City has shown uh, throughout the entirety of the season that uh, it's a vastly improved team. And, th- and if you really look at it, they are capable of doing what division rival Cleveland uh, did last season. Uh, the Browns went from a losing record of 6-10 in 2019 to making the playoffs last year. Cincinnati 4-11-1 uh, in, uh, in, uh, in 2020. They have an opportunity to finish with double-digit wins this season. Won't be surprised if Kansas City finds a way to win, but I expect a competitive effort throughout this game. Won't rule out the upset, but I'll be happy to take the five points. Andy takes the five points with the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday's NFL football card for his complimentary call on the show this week. And Andy, as always, once again, a great job on the show. I'm going to wish you the very best of luck this week. Let's hope the ball bounces your way, and we'll look forward to catching up with you next week here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. I thank you very much, Mark. And, of course, at this time, I want to, again, wish everybody a very happy, healthy, safe, and prosperous 2022. And since these games are being played, Late in 2022, let's all get off to a good start to the new year. I will do just that. That was Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. Don't go away, guys. When we come back, Victor and I are going to put the final wraps on the show. We'll share with you our awesome angle of the week in complimentary plays from Victor and myself when we're back with the final segment here on Mark Lawrence Against the Spread. If you haven't seen Andy Isco's The Logical Approach Football Newsletter, then you owe it to yourself to download this week's newsletter in time for the football games this week. Check out the new issue every week at TheLogicalApproach.com. See what winning football information is all about at TheLogicalApproach.com. We're going against the spread with Mark Lawrence after this. Attention sports fans, it's time to get in on all the football action at mybookie.ag. This industry-leading website is renowned for having the best odds and more betting options than any other sports book online. Get the odds you want and the fast payouts you need, guaranteed. That's mybookie.a as in Apple and G as in Games. Tell them Mark Lawrence sent you. Only the biggest. Only the best. Only at mybookie.ag. Sign up today. To put a final spin on this week's show, let's do what Mark does best, his awesome, awesome angle of the week. All right, guys, let's get down to it, our awesome angle of the week in the National Football League this week. Let's hope it's anything close to our running down a dream last week, which worked like a dream when the CND or the LA Chargers fell straight up as a favorite against Houston. This week's one of these nights awesome angle play works this way. What we're looking to do is to play against any NFL Sunday night home favorite that's coming off consecutive wins if they lost to the spread in their previous victory. So a Sunday night home team off back-to-back wins, laying points, lost to the spread in their last victory. By fading these teams, we have gone 15-2 and against the spread since 2006. Our one of these nights plays this week We'll be fading the Green Bay Packers and playing on the Minnesota Vikings for our awesome angle play on the show this week. 
And with that, I'm going to hand it off to Victor King from King Creole Sports to find out just what Victor's got on tap on his service this weekend. And Victor, if you would do the honors and share with our listeners also your complimentary call on the card this week. Sure thing, Mark. You know, uh, I didn't plan on this, but we are going to have a lot of football overs going this weekend. Already up at the website, playbooksports.com. We've got a Thursday college football over the total from our King Creole service. We've got a Friday college football over the total on our service. Uh, We're going to post a Saturday college football over the total on our service. And on Sunday right now, the plan is to have either three or four overs in week 16 in the NFL. Again, everything will be available at the playbooksports.com website along with this week's issue of the Playbook Football Newsletter, the Midweek Alert Newsletter, the Totals Tip Sheet, and the uh, Playbook uh, 2021 College Bowl Guide as well. And we're going to give the ball back to Tuco this week. Now, our doggy Tuco did not win last week. He came up three points shy with his team total on the Indianapolis Colts Last Saturday night, Tuco did not earn himself any sort of a Christmas treat. He got a little piece of black coal in his stocking, but I love his play this week, and I do want to share it with our listeners, and it is going to be on the L.A. Rams to score over 25 points. That is their team total as they take on the Baltimore Ravens this week. And for the third week in a row, we are piling on against the Ravens. Aaron Rodgers tore him up two weeks ago. Cincinnati let Joe Cook last against him last week as he had 498 passing yards and 41 points. This week, it's Matt Stafford's turn. So that's going to be the Rams over their team total. Baltimore now is ranked dead last. It's official, number 32 in the entire league in passing defense this season allowing 282 yards per game, and it's been even worse at home as Baltimore road games have averaged 41.6, but their home games 53.9. Our target for L.A. is pretty easily attainable. After all, they're already averaging, uh, what, 27.7 points on the year, even better on the road. Rams have averaged 28.4 points per game on the road, and in their last five games overall, 29.0 points per game. The Rams are favored on the road in this non-conference game. And we note that uh, NFC road favorites of a field goal or more have averaged 31.0 points per game in the last three years when taking on any AFC opponent. And last week, of course, the Ravens lost on the road to Cincinnati by the score of 41-21 NFL home dogs who allowed 40 or more points on the road last game, have allowed an average of 32.5 points per game in the last two seasons. We're going to pile on against the Ravens again. Tuco's team total, L.A. Rams over 25 points. That's our free play for the week. And finally, our listeners, at the very, very least, you're going to want to get on board for Mark's $99 weekend as he has a double 10-star weekend. We mentioned at the top of the show how the bowl games have been perfect thus far. It's been a very good NFL season. I'm sure you have a little more information on that double double 10-star weekend for Mark Lawrence. 
I sure do, Victor. I will share that with our listeners out there. And uh, while Victor goes over on the Rams' total of 25 points for another high-scoring effort against Baltimore, I just want to pass this note along that one of our our against-the-spread de- devotees, a listener for a long, long time, the Texas Tornado, Steve Crabb out of Texas, sent us a note this morning about the fact that Baltimore just happens to be one of his favorite plays in that he fades the most embarrassed team in the National Football League the following week. And obviously Baltimore was embarrassed last week. We'll see whether or not they'll be embarrassed again this week or not. Uh, Doesn't matter to the side total. Victor's going to go over the total for the Rams in that particular football game. But I wanted to throw that fact out there that Baltimore just happens to check the box for being the most embarrassed team in the National Football League heading into this weekend. As far as my double 10-star goes this weekend, we are releasing not one but two 10-star plays of the year this weekend. Our College Bowl Play of the Year and our NFL Play of the Year. They both go this weekend. It's a double double two-for-one bang for the buck. When you join me for a $99 football weekend of winners, it'll include every College Bowl and NFL selection play that I make from this Friday through Monday. Take advantage by logging on at playbooksports.com or call the office toll-free. The number is 1-800-321-7777 for the double 10-star weekend of winners from our Red Hot Late Phone football service. Before I get to my complimentary call, just a quick note that our friends at mybookie.ag are once again offering a double your first deposit bonus Simply log on at mybookie.ag, make your first deposit as a new customer, and get double your first deposit as a bonus. All you need to do is to enter the promo code PLAYBOOK, and you're in by logging on at mybookie.ag anytime this weekend. With that, my complimentary call, we're going to go over to the National Football League side of things and take the points with the Las Vegas Raiders when they take on the Indianapolis Colts on Sunday. Coming into the contest here from our midweek alert, we note that the Raiders bring both the better offense and the better defense into this football game. They do it largely because they've been out-yarding opponents with regularity. They've won four of the last five games in the stats. And in fact, the Raiders have held their last four opponents at just an average of 266 yards per game. You take a look inside the numbers in this contest here. Indianapolis is 0-4 to the spread the last four times. They've hosted teams that come in out of the AFC West. This is a big football game for both teams with the Colts coming off their huge win, the big impressive win they had Saturday in that football contest against Arizona. We'll grab the points with the LV Raiders, the Las Vegas Raiders, for our complimentary call on the show this week. And as John Madden would say, boom, we're out of here. I want to thank our co-host Victor King from King Creole Sports, our good friend Andy Isco joining us from Las Vegas from TheLogicalApproach.com. This is Mark Lawrence reminding you to always to remember to bet with your head, not over it, and good luck as always. <laughs>